Well, good morning, church family. I do want to say, you can also come on Valentine's night if you are not married <laughs> on that Wednesday night, uh, but we are going to do a fun time and a focus on that night uh, towards married couples. We'll have some giveaways. We're going to do a fun game or two where couples compete with each other, and then we'll have a panel with my wife and I and some other couples uh, from our church community to uh, answer questions. And the awesome thing is, those questions, you'll be able to send them in anonymously because uh, we're setting up an anonymous text line uh, that will go directly to my phone. Uh, so if you have some wild hot button issues, feel free to send them. <laughs> and hopefully we can answer them for you on that night in fellowship together. Uh, we're going to have dessert, coffee, and other stuff as well. Uh, we are almost finished with our first week of the fast. My wife cheered, so I'll take that. <laughs> if you're like me, yesterday was a tough day for you, right? Like, as we continue forward in fasting, you go through phases, right? Where your body is detoxing sugar, carbs, you know, uh, processed stuff. And so you'll have different times where it will feel different, right? And so fear not, right? Uh, you probably won't die from that. <laughs> you might feel like you're going to if you've given up coffee or sugar and your body's really accustomed to that. It might feel really difficult, but I promise it will recover on the other side and we'll continue forward. Um, but it's so exciting, not only, you know, Larry mentioned Monday mornings, and Wednesday nights, uh, but I'm so happy to say not this Wednesday night, but the last Wednesday night of our fast, uh, we will have live worship here for that night of prayer together that's going to be led by the Chi Alpha team from NC State. And so we're super excited to be working with others in this area, especially that younger generation who are trying to reach our campuses for the Lord. So all of you Dukies and all of you Tar Heels, don't judge them too intensely. They're going where God called them to go or where they got a great scholarship. And so we still want to come together uh, in the unity of the kingdom in a night of prayer and worship. Amen? Awesome. Well, you know, last week I taught on the power of individual fasting. This week I want to teach on the power of corporate fasting. So you can consider this part two in our message on fasting. And if you're new into the kingdom of God, there is zero pressure on you to fast. But if you want to know more about fasting and the power of fasting, don't hesitate to listen to last week's message or to come up to me or, or Michael or Larry and ask for additional resources that we can get you to help you in your fast. But as I talk about corporate fasting, <clears throat> one of my great concerns, one of the great dangers of a time of corporate fasting is that people are doing it for the wrong reasons. Right, They're doing it because they're looking forward to the praises of people around them instead of doing it for the praises of God. And it's really important that we reflect back <clears throat> on what Jesus said in Matthew 6 last week. Right, Don't let people know that you're fasting. Right, Wash your face, right? prepare yourself, and what you do in secret, the Lord rewards. Right, You're not doing it for anyone on your left or your right, in front of you or behind you. You're doing this for the Lord. You're doing this for your personal walk with God, right? I talked about it last week. Prayer is the hand with which we lay hold of heaven, and fasting is the hand with which we let go of this world. That's what it is. <clears throat> when we unite together and do this for a short amount of time, it's, it's an important flow. It's an important move, right? I've already seen the Lord doing amazing things in this first six days, Right, I'm hearing testimonies from different people. We're seeing the hand of the Lord moving in our community. And I'm believing over the next two weeks, we're going to see more. I'm believing we're going to see more miracles. I can tell you, I know people in our community that are specifically fasting against cancer, right? Because cancer is cursed. It's cursed by the Lord, right? And the Lord heals cancer. Amen? Amen. Right, Psalm 103.3, God heals all sickness and all disease. And the awesome thing is when God says all, he means all. 
right? When we say all, we usually mean some. God means all. And so it's important for us, right, as we enter in to this time that we focus in on certain areas. I have things on my heart, right, leading into our business meeting. In February on the 18th, there are things in my heart for this community. There are things in my heart for this city that I'm fasting and believing for. There are certain individual things that some of you are fasting and believing for. And then there's corporate things, right? And I want to talk about four areas of corporate fasting. And I'm going to show you four different places in Scripture where there was corporate fasting and what God did out of that. Right, number one is the Jehoshaphat fast. Right, Jehoshaphat called a fast when the enemies of God's people were coming against them. Jehoshaphat called a fast. And you see that in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 in verses 3 and 4. And it says, Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And so he proclaimed a fast for all all of Judah, right? That's a bold fast for everybody. And it says, the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Notice they didn't just fast where they were. In the midst of the fast, they came together, right? That's what we're doing on Monday mornings. That's what we're doing on Wednesday nights. That's what we're doing on Friday nights. That's what we're doing on Sundays, right? In the midst of our individual fasting for 21 days, we're also coming together. And the awesome thing is, in that time of corporate fasting, the Lord answered. The Lord answered and told them, I have you. A prophet rose up from among the community and said, this is what the Lord says. Don't be afraid of his enemies, but go out to face them. And you know what I love? Jehoshaphat did the craziest thing. I challenge you to read this this week during your, your fasting time with the Lord. If you're giving up a meal, read this chapter of Scripture. Because over the next few verses, as Jehoshaphat's going out to face the enemies of God, do you know what he does? He does something crazy. He puts the worship team ahead of the soldiers of the army. That's what he does. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, he takes, he takes Matt and Denny and Anne and Christy and all of the worshipers and puts them in front of everyone with spears and swords and shields and says, worship the Lord at the head of the army. Right? Let me tell you, that was a measure of faith in Jehoshaphat that they weren't even going to have to fight. Right? Why else would he have put a bunch of musicians and dancers ahead of an army if he actually thought they were going to engage in battle? He knew the Lord had them. So what did he do? He sent worship first. And they said unto the Lord, right, he is great, right, and his mercy, his love lasts forever. And they went out at the head of the army, and what does it say? The Lord fought their enemies on their behalf. They didn't have to raise up their hands, right? I absolutely believe in the midst of fasting, if we will incorporate worship into this, we will actually see the Lord do things for us we're not even asking. I believe if we will enter in, I've been playing worship music in our home when I get up in the mornings. I've been playing it in my vehicle instead of you know, uh, teaching podcasts or things like that. I've been increasing the worship that I'm entering into because when you worship the Lord, you're literally just telling him who he is. That's your worship. So often people want to slide into church after worship's over to get what they get in the message time because they're running dry and they're running late and they've miscalculated time. And so they get there just in time for the message and they're like, okay, this is good enough. This will get me by. But what they don't realize is actually what they need is the worship. They need to come in and tell the Lord, you are great and greatly to be praised. You are worthy of every bit of me. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They need to get in and lift high the name of the Lord, and they'll find that when they do that, God goes ahead and actually takes care of their problem without them ever having to do anything. That's worship. That's worship. And so as we are corporately engaging in this fast, let us also corporately engage in worship. 
Let us lift high the name of the Lord. Every opportunity we get, let us come boldly into this place on Sundays and on Wednesday nights and on Friday nights. And in the midst of our prayers, let's worship the Lord because he's worthy. He's worthy of our praise. And when we do, I promise, the scriptures tell us the Lord abides in the praises of his people. He will move and do great things. Amen? Amen. Second is the Esther fast. The Esther fast. This is the second boldest fast in all of Scripture, is the Esther fast. You find that the enemies of the Jewish people have literally misled the king into making a decree by which they would all be killed. And Esther is numbered among that people. And her uncle comes to her and says, Esther, you are here now, right? Because this is a God-ordained thing. And what does Esther say, right? In Esther chapter four, verses 15 and 16, right? And Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, right? Mordecai says the message, she sends the reply. Gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days. This is a bold fast, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing to drink for three days. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. And I and my attendants will fast as you do. And when this is done, I'll go to the king, even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. But we know Esther didn't perish. God used Esther to shift the heart of the king, right? And a wicked lawman, one of the king's attendants, was actually hung in his own gallows that he created for other people. But this is what I love about the Esther fast. Right? This is a fast that as we're fasting together, I believe this is a kind of fast that moves the heart of leadership, especially governmental leadership. Because that's what you see with Esther and Mordecai. They want to move the heart of the king. So before Esther ever enters into the presence of the leader of the nation, what does she do? She fasts for three days, night and day, no food, no water. And then she goes in. And God gives her favor. As we're together in this fast over the next two weeks, we need to be crying out to God to move in our government. We need to be crying out to God to turn the hearts of kings, like scripture says, like the waters of a river. We need to be crying out to the Lord together because, listen, Timothy tells us what? If we pray for those in authority, if we intercede for those in authority, the outflow will be that as Christians, we get to live godly lives in peace. Well, let me tell you right now, it doesn't look, when I turn on the evening news, like Christians in America are headed towards peace. It looks quite the opposite on a regular basis. But I absolutely believe if believers will unite together and fast and pray, we can see God begin to turn the hearts of leaders and nations. We can see him begin to bring breakthrough in different places and in different ways. It can be local government. It can be national government. I've watched the hand of God over the years shift and change things. I remember on July 7th of 2007, we held a, a giant prayer and fasting gathering in Nashville, Tennessee in the Titan Stadium. I worked for the ministry that hosted it at the time. It was known as The Call. And when we called that gathering, over 70,000 people poured into the Titan Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee and sought the face of the Lord together for 12 hours in prayer and fasting. And you know what's so amazing is people came from all over America into that stadium and sought the Lord and then they returned back to their places, back to their homes, back to their states, back to their lives. And so many people didn't even realize the ripple effect that that single day of corporate fasting created in Nashville, right? Within a couple of weeks after that event, there were multiple different decrees that the governor of Tennessee and the mayor of Nashville made to stem and turn back the open gates of the pornography industry, of adult retail stores, all these different things like that. Literally multiple different decrees happened and were signed into law in the state of Tennessee within one month of that gathering of prayer and fasting. 
Within one month of people coming into that place and repenting and crying out to the Lord to move, there was a ripple effect that changed the state of Tennessee. We did one in, in, a couple of years before that in Dallas, Texas, crying out to God for our nation, for what God was doing in America. And the leaders of that, going into that event in Dallas, over 80,000 people showed up there. The leadership going into that event actually took time to drive the trail of tears in America on their way there, specifically feeling the Lord leading them to do that in prayer and fasting. Drove the trail of tears, went into that event, had that event, and left. And do you know within a month, the U.S. Congress passed the Native American First Nations Indigenous Peoples Reconciliation Act. And literally, our government did a repentance thing to the nations, the First Nations people here in America, coming out from that gathering of prayer and fasting. We, at times, don't realize how tremendous our prayers, how impactful our fasting is. But it is. It literally shifts and moves and changes things. Right, the third fast, this is the strongest fast in all of Scripture, is the Nineveh fast. The Nineveh fast. This is found in Jonah chapter 3, verses 5 through 10. We all know the story of Jonah, right? We focus on the whale part, <laughs> right? We tell it to all of our little kids with our felt boards and our, and our picture flip books, you know, where Jonah gets eaten by the big fish or whale or whatever we want to call it. But that's not actually what the book of Jonah is about. The book of Jonah is about the Ninevites, right? And so we see that here in Jonah chapter 3. In verse 5, it says, The Ninevites believed God, and a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. These were unbelievers, ladies and gentlemen, right? The entire city of Nineveh, they weren't Jewish people. They were unbelievers until Jonah rolled through the gates and started declaring that the judgment of God was near. And when Jonah did that, all of a sudden, from the greatest to the least, the people in that nation began to turn their hearts towards the Lord. And they did it from the top down, right? When the, Jonah's warning reached the king... He rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is a king. Sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Don't let them eat or drink, but let people and Animals, be covered in sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Let them give it up. And who knows? God may yet relent with compassion and turn from his fierce anger so we will not perish. This is a, this is a bold fast. Now we think about that. <laughs> think about this fast for a second. We have a dog. Her name is Hazel. Hazel is my wife's dog, <laughs> right? I just, if you ever come around, that becomes really obvious really fast, right? But how wild, how bold, if our family needed something from the Lord, not only for us to fast and not eat or drink anything, but for me to not give our dog food or water for days because I'm believing God to do something, Right? How wild, how bold a move was that that the king made? But you want to know why I think he did it? I used to have this overgrown mutt. She was a mix between a bulldog and a lab, right? She was an accident at a breeder's facility. <laughs> she weighed 70 pounds. She snored horrendously. At one point, she got like the dog version of the whooping cough, <laughs> and it literally sounded like a goose honking. My wife and I would like be awakened in the night to her like, hur, 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 and I was like, what is happening? But I loved her, right? And one day, I was reading, I was studying in my apartment when I lived in Kansas City, and she was like harassing me. 
she was like rubbing on my leg and like she was like like pawing at me and I was like her name was Latifa. I named her after Queen Latifa. And I said, Latif, like, Latifa, what do you want? What do you want? And I couldn't figure it out. And finally, I stood up. And the moment I stood up, she like ran and like stared in her water dish. And I walked over and there was no water. And I was like, oh, she's thirsty. And as I poured water in her water dish, the Lord was like, mm, don't miss this moment. And I was like, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? And the Lord reminded me of this scripture, right? The king of Nineveh wanted God to hear them so much that every cow that was mooing, every dog that was baying, every chicken, every sheep, every pig, every animal that was raising its voice in that city, God knew the reason it was doing it was because the king had made a decree that nothing would eat or drink. And the reason the king had made a decree was because God had sent them a warning. And God had sent them a warning because God's slow to anger and abounding in love. And so every sound of every creature in the city of Nineveh was pounding on heaven's door together in unity. And God relented. God relented. He turned from his wrath and Nineveh was saved, right? This, I believe, is the kind of fast that can lead to revival. This is the kind of fast that can lead to the shifting and changing of hearts and lives in a city, and Bethel Church family, Durham needs revival. We need it from the top down. I have the great joy in a couple of weeks, I'm going to pray with our mayor. And I can tell you, I am hoping and believing for the Lord to show up in his office and touch and change him by the great love that the Lord has for that man and our city. I want to see that. I want to see Durham touched. I want the ripple effect to go to Raleigh and Hillsborough and Cary and everywhere else because the Lord has decided to pour himself out on a city. Just like he did in the Hebrides, just like he did in the Welsh Revival, Azusa Street, Brownsville, I want the Lord to open heaven and to pour himself out in a way that brings repentance and change. I don't know if you've ever studied the Hebrides revival, but it's one of the most amazing moves of God. The Lord just decided one night to show up in a place because of a little prayer meeting. But the ripple effect from that was that people, even those that were sitting in bars, those that were at school dances, the presence of God showed up so strong and so intense that people were fleeing the bars they were fleeing their classes in school and running to the nearest churches, running to the nearest Christians to repent of their sins. Study it, it's amazing. The move of God that happened in the Hebrides, Robert Murray McShane and the other leaders that were there, it was like you couldn't go to a place that God wasn't already there ahead of you in that area. And that's what I want in Durham. I want it to be Bethel. But I also want it to be every church here that's walking according to a full biblical standard. I want the Lord to show up in churches all over this city by his divine power so that when someone gets saved, they don't have to try to find a church that's like Jesus. They can walk into the doors of any place that has a cross on it and everywhere people are following the Lord in this city. That's what I want. That's what I want. That's what my heart longs for is for a full sweeping move of God. Amen? Amen. The fourth fast that, I, that you see, the corporate fast, is the church fast. You see this in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 13. And it says, and while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And so after they finished the fast and praying, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. This verse is why I ask for our installation to be in the last day of our fast together. Because I believe you see here that after the fast ended, the Lord spoke during the fast, but when the fast ended, they laid hands on their leadership and sent them out to the appointment of God. The Lord called my wife and I here from Jacksonville, our daughters, to be a part of this community. Your pastoral search committee, 
felt like we stood out apart from all the other people that they interviewed to be the future leaders of this house. And so I am believing that the Lord confirms that and makes it so clear to us in the next 21 days together. I'm believing that the Lord knits our hearts together and unites us as one church body that's ready for God to do great things through us. I'm believing the Lord is going to show up and show out in the way only he can. And I believe we're already seeing ripples of that with Josie being here with us this morning. She said before service, she's felt the best she's felt in a long time. I believe she feels the power of our corporate prayer and fasting. On Friday night, while we were in here seeking the Lord together, a guy walked in off the streets. And I had the great joy of sitting and talking with him for almost half an hour as he wept and talked about how he needed God in his life. Larry was able to to drive him home and spend more time with him. And I am believing that the Lord didn't draw him to any other place. He drew him here. Here. He walked in as soaked as you could be in the midst of pouring rain and weeped, talking about how he was raised in church, but he had strayed away from the Lord. But he's like, what are the chances that the doors were open and you were here? And I said, not only that, I said, the pastor was here. (laughs) Spent time with him. And I am believing the Lord, right, is drawing hearts drawing hearts and lives because I want this to be a place where the Lord dwells. From the time we open the doors on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, I want us to walk in and God's like, where have you been? I want to come into this place and we walk in to the presence of the living God. He's in the prayer room. He's in the foyer, right? He is everywhere in this place. I want our kids to be meeting and encountering the Lord. We did this water baptism this morning because of Malia, right? When we were here in November, she came up to me and she's like, when are you guys gonna do water baptism? (laughs) And I said, right after we get here, I promise we turn over the new year and we'll do it. She came back to me again in December. When, when are we gonna do it? And I said, I promise we're gonna get there, right? Even Bill this morning. Bill was like, I may have been baptized with a kid, but I don't remember and I wanna know I want to know it. And I said, come on then, let's do it. My daughter, right, six, like came to Sharon and I all week. I want to be water baptized this time. I want to be water baptized this time. And my wife was like, do you know what it means? And she was like, yes, I do. And I said, okay, then you're ready. If you understand what that means, you're ready, right? So we baptized people this morning from six to 81, (laughs) right? Come on. That's the joy. That's the joy of what God is doing in us, to us, and through us. And as we're seeking him, whatever he's calling you to in your corporate fast, right? Whatever he's speaking to you about in your individual fast, that's between you and him. But I need you to know, right, when we're doing this and we're united together and there is grace in our community for each other, the Lord will come. The Lord will move and he already is. And and fasting isn't a new thing, right? We see it all through scripture, but not just scripture. You know, we are in a nation that has been touched by the power of fasting. When I ministered here the Sunday after Thanksgiving, I, I read to you about the decree that was made among the pilgrims to fast and seek the Lord and how God responded to that. Well, do you know in our national history, There have been four different presidents that have called for national days of fasting. Four. That's amazing to me to think that four of our presidents called for days of fasting to stand against things that were going on in our nation. Right? We look at choices that some of our governmental leadership makes right now and the idea of them calling for a fast seems as foreign to us as a unicorn. But that's not how America was founded. We were founded on a strong biblical foundation. And so I picked a couple of those this morning. And I just want to read to you, right? 
This is, this is our history. These are recorded. Right? You, you can find it. James Madison, January 12th, 1815, made this statement. The two houses of the national legislature, having a joint resolution, have expressed their desire that in this present time of public calamity and war, the War of 1812, in this time of public calamity and war, a day has been recommended to be observed by all the people of the United States, a day of humility, fasting, and prayer to the Almighty. And by this proclamation, we recommend that Thursday, the 12th of January, 1815, Thursday, the 12th of January, be set apart as that day. A day that everyone may have opportunity to volunteer at the same time in their assemblies to humbly adore the sovereign God, confess their sins and transgressions, and strengthen themselves through repentance. That's a, that's a declaration from Washington, D.C. for America. Do you know what happened, church family? That week... That week, the War of 1812 ended. The week America fasted and prayed was the week the war ended. Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln actually called for three different fasts in his presidency. This is one of them. Abraham Lincoln, a proclamation by the President of the United States. It is the duty of nations as well as men to owe their dependence upon the power of God, to confess their sins and transgressions, to be in humble sorrow with a hope that repentance will lead to mercy. We know that by his divine law, nations, like individuals, are subject to punishment and chastisement. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in number, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand that preserves us in peace. We have forgotten him who multiplies and enriches and strengthens us. We have imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were the product of our own wisdom and virtue intoxicated with success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the redeeming and preserving grace of God, too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us to humble ourselves, confess our sins, and pray for forgiveness. So I do hereby make this proclamation and set apart the 30th of April, 1863, as a day of humility, fasting, and prayer. And I request all people on that day abstain from their ordinary secular activities and unite in worship in homes and across this nation to keep this day holy unto the Lord. This being done in sincerity and truth, let us humbly then hope upon the authorization of his divine teachings that our united cry will be heard on high and he will pardon our sin and restore our country. President Abraham Lincoln. That's a bold statement. But those statements have given us the foundation that we stand on today. Those statements have made us who we are. And I genuinely believe that as a nation, we may have strayed from some of that, but as a church, Bethel has not. I believe we, as a united body, understand repentance, and we understand prayer, and we understand fasting, and we understand communion, and the different things that are united together when we unite together. Which is why back in October 
when the Lord laid this fast on my heart and confirmed it through your board and, and the pastoral search committee, I immediately felt like the Lord laid it on my heart to title our corporate fast Stronger Together. Because that's what we will be. We will be stronger together if we stand in unity in this fast and in this year and in the days to come. And so my hope and prayer for each and every one of you today is that wherever you are, you know you're not alone. You're not alone. There are other people here that this may be their first fast. I've had some of you text me questions about fasting, and it's my joy to answer those because I know that you're stepping out in something new. There are some of you that fasting has been a staple in your life, and it's almost like, like water to you. It's just so normal, and you've become accustomed to it. Wherever you are, find yourself together with us. That as one church family, we are doing this together. We're turning unto the Lord, seeking him while he may be found. And so I hope tomorrow morning you'll be here. For those of you that can at eight, to pray. I hope on Wednesday, for those of you who can make it, you come in. On Friday, be a part. Come in next Sunday with a joy and an anticipation as we focus on the sanctity of life. What greater thing to be seeking the Lord for than the continuation of babies being saved in North Carolina and America? I want to see abortion totally ended in this state. But listen, church family, right? Being pro-life doesn't just mean you're anti-abortion, right? Because we don't want babies just to be born. We want babies to have the best life possible, right? And so that means we support people when they're adopting and we support those that are stepping out to foster and different things like that to show them that we want the best life possible for every child. That's what we desire. That's what we unite for. And so this morning, Matt, if I could have you come back up. This morning, as we close out, it's, it's my desire for us to just take a, a moment or two in that unity and, and spend time with the Lord. So I'm gonna ask for everyone just to stand with me this morning. I hope you take last week and this week and you put them together kind of as one extended teaching because it's my hope and it's my heart that you hear the fullness of scripture and the magnitude of fasting. Do you know, church family, fasting was so important to God, he actually wrote it into the calendar. Do you know that? It was so important to God, he wrote it into the calendar. You see it in the book of Leviticus, right? Leviticus chapter 23, verses 26 through 32, it tells us how important fasting was to God. I'm not gonna read all of it, but I challenge you when you get home to do that because the Lord literally says in this fast, anyone who's not a part should be punished. That's a bold proclamation to be made by the living God, right? One single day out of a 365 day year, the Lord says this one day, I want everyone who follows me to be united together in fasting. And so I believe for us, right, the Lord isn't that strong in us today that he makes that demand because Jesus fulfilled that measure of demand. But I believe there is joy for us when we come together and unify in our fast, that we see the hand of God moving in our community and touching and changing hearts and lives. And so, Lord, we come before you this morning and we thank you. We thank you that you are present in this place. We thank you, Lord, that you are speaking to individuals. We thank you that you are bringing breakthrough from addiction. We thank you that you're bringing restoration in marriages. You're bringing restoration in family lines, Lord, from children to parents and parents to children and between siblings. As we're fasting and praying, Lord, unity is being raised up in this place. That, Lord, if there be any in this house that has issue with someone else in this house, I pray, Lord, that they would go low 
And they would go and ask for restoration. That there wouldn't be anything that could linger. That no root of bitterness or anger or resentment would be allowed to grow. But they would allow you to come in and uproot those things. For those that need a healing touch, that you would move through every cell of their body, from the top of their head to the tips of their toes. Thank you, Lord. Mm. If you need healing in your body, I just feel like, I, I just want you to raise your hand right where you're at right now. I feel like the Lord is stirring my heart to pray over those that need a touch. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Lord, for every hand that is raised right now, your Holy Spirit is present in this place. And so I ask from the left to the right, from the front to the back, that you would move through this place. Holy Spirit, with your refiner's fire, you would burn out every cell that is not operating according to its God-designed purpose right now. That you would bring restoration, health, healing, and renewal right now to each and every body in this place. We curse cancer in Jesus' name. You are not welcome here. You got to go right now. Spirit of infirmity, you are not welcome here. You got to go right now. Joint pain, issues with a vision, back problems, diabetes, you are not welcome in this place. We curse you in Jesus' name. By the authority of the blood and the spirit, you got to go right now. Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is present in this place. And he will empower our bodies. So we thank you for that empowering of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for that touch right now. In every single body, even those that are watching from home right now, Lord, I pray that you would move in their homes. You would bring them up out of their sick beds. You would bring them up out of their chairs. You would touch them. Lord, whether it's uh, dementia, Lord, uh, whether it's brokenness of body, whatever it may be, we ask for your move right now. There is no distance in the kingdom between us and those that are in their homes. The Holy Spirit is present there and here simultaneously. So move in those homes right now, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. Enter in. Enter in and receive from Him. For He knows the end from the beginning. His arm is not short and He is not far off. Those who fear that they have missed him. Drive fear back now and receive from him. For he is closer than you think. We just break fear off in this place right now, Lord. Fear has got to go. Fear has got to go. Those who have fear in the night affecting their dream life, I curse that right now in Jesus' name. Got to go. Got to go. Got to go, got to go right now. Those who have fear and concern over their bodies, that's got to go right now. That's got to go right now. There is no fear in the Lord, but perfect love cast out fear. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we stand together as a unified people today. And in this time of corporate fasting, Lord, we have individual things that we are asking you to move in. And we have our corporate things that we are asking you to move in. And so we ask right now, Lord, that you would move by faith 
we ask that you would move. Come and have your way. When we don't know what you're doing, Lord, may we put our faith in you to know, Lord, that you have everything under control. May we put our faith in you. And may we see you answer from on high, Lord. In these days of corporate fasting, may we see you move and speak and have your way. Hallelujah. I just also really feel this. If you're in this place and you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I feel like the Lord wants me to, to lay hands on you this morning. And if that's something you would like as a sign of your continued growth and walk with the Lord, I absolutely believe the third greatest thing in your life, salvation, water baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit who dwells in you is now flowing through you and helping you when you are weak, helping you when you don't know what you need. And sometime down the road, I'll teach on the different measures of the Holy Spirit in our life. But if you are in this place today, and you have not yet received your personal prayer language with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I just want you right now in a step of faith, just come out of your seat and come stand right down here with me. I'm gonna close for everyone else this morning in just a minute. But if that's you and you wanna receive that, I just want you to make your way down this morning. I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. And I am believing that God is gonna show up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So let me just say this to you. In just a minute, I'm gonna come around and pray for each of you. Uh, Larry, Michael, let me have you guys join me. In just a minute, the three of us are gonna come through and we're gonna, we're gonna lay hands on you. We are spirit-filled, Right? But let me just tell you, us laying hands on you doesn't change what the Lord wants to do in you, right? The Lord wants to fill you with his spirit, whether it's through the laying out of our hands or through him just showing up and touching your life. Years ago, I had a friend call me on Christmas Eve in tears. He was a cessationist, didn't believe in the baptism and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And on Christmas Eve, while putting his son to bed, his son asked him to pray over him. And he started his prayer in English and without realizing it, in the great grace of the Lord, God fell on him in his son's bedroom and he started praying in tongues. Amen. Didn't even realize what was happening. Called me, because I was the only spirit-filled person he knew. <laughs> and said, I don't understand what's happened. I don't, I, I don't think this is a, a real thing. And I said, oh, but it is. Just because you don't think it is doesn't change God. Right, The Lord wants you to receive the fullness of his spirit. We are going to come around and lay hands on you because I believe in the power of unity. But listen, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, he's not gonna reach in your mouth and shake your tongue. That isn't how it works. He's going to stir you here and you choose to let it come out here. Right? The Holy Spirit dwells here in us. I could teach on it sometime, right? The spelanknin is what it's called in Hebrew. This is the dwelling place. We call it gut instinct. That ain't your gut. That's the Holy Spirit, right? That's the Holy Spirit moving in you. The Bible says what? The heart's deceitful above all things. Holy Spirit doesn't live here. Holy Spirit lives here, right? That's why when, when God gets a hold of people, they feel it right here. They're like, whoa, man, that was the Lord. Why? Because God's got them, right? He's, he's literally, his Holy Spirit's gripping them in his presence, right? So as you feel that touch of the Lord deep in you, right, you choose to allow it to come out of your mouth with words you don't know, right? Call it heavenly languages, call it earthly languages, right? There is both. Whichever way the Lord is doing it, you allow it to flow out of you as a choice, amen? Awesome, so for all of you that came forward this morning, as a, as a sign to the Lord, just, just close your eyes in whatever way you can. Hold out your hands. Uh, hold up a hand right in your heart. Acknowledge the Lord. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray for each and every one of these. Church family, stretch your hands this way. Yeah, church family, I pray over each and every one of these right now that your Holy Spirit 
would move across this place and fill them with new languages, fill them with tongues, with the evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit will be the outflow of new languages that they receive according to the promise of your word. And so by faith right now, Lord, I lay hands on them and believe, be filled in Jesus' name. Right now. Be filled in Jesus' name right now. Be filled right now. Right now in Jesus' name. Be filled right now. You choose to open your mouth and let it flow. Right now. Right now, you choose to let him out because he's already in. Right now, Lord. Right now, Lord. Right now, Lord. Right now, Lord. Yes, we believe. Yes, we believe. Thank you, Lord, right now. Right now. For the touch of your presence. The infilling of your Holy Spirit right now. Yes, Lord, the, the Holy Spirit is hers with fullness and restoration right now. Restoration right now. Thank you, Lord. 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 And I pray for this entire church family that in the midst of this corporate fast, Lord, we would go from deep to deep, that we would move closer to you. Lord, we would move more into your plan and purpose for us, for our families, for our workplaces, for our community that we wouldn't let off the gas, but Lord, we would put our foot on the gas to move as you lead. And we thank you for everything that you are doing in us, to us, and through us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. Love you all so much. I hope you have an amazing Sunday afternoon. For those that can, we'll be in here again tomorrow morning at 8, Wednesday night at 7, right? Feel the grace of the Lord in your fast. Love you all.